0: This is The Rundown, presented by The Runner Washington. Featuring Alex McIntyre and Kyle Paulson.
1: Now, here is your host, the runner Washington himself, Keenan Gray. Glad to have you guys back. This is The Rundown presented by The Runner Washington here on SoundCloud. Alex McIntyre, Kyle Paulson, Keenan Gray, myself from The Runner Washington. We're back again. Our fifth episode. I can't believe we made it this far without fighting with each other and just checking in with you guys. Alex, how are we doing down in Yelm?
2: Good. It's good over here. The weather's cooler. It's kind of feeling like fall's setting in and... Um, although we won't have a season, it can it can feel like fall training a little bit. So change in the season is good.
1: Kyle, Tri Cities has been pretty hot of lately. So what's it been like running down there?
0: Um, yeah, it's been great. It's kind of a sweatshirt weather now. It's gone down from 100 degrees to 90 degrees. So just trying to you know stay warm now that it's cooled off.
1: This episode today will be major focusing on the 1B 2 B preview, finishing up our five part series of our pre- our cross country previews. That we'll see potentially in March. We'll talk about the top individuals, top teams to watch. But before we dive into that, we had some pretty big news happen last week. Specifically with an individual who has actually left the state of Washington to pursue his high school season in a different state, and that is West Valley of Yakima's Braden Packard, probably one of the best 800 meter runners up there in the 1600 as well. He has moved down to American Fork High School in Utah. Which American Fork is about located 30 minutes south of Salt Lake City, where the University of Utah is, and 20 minutes north of Provo, where Brigham Young University is. The reason that Braden moved, made the move is one, WIA said there was not gonna be a fall season, and we have no idea if there's gonna be a track and field season in the spring. But it actually was not sports that were the biggest concern for Braden. He was an online student at YVC college, which is Yakima Valley College, when they moved to online in the spring after after the pandemic occurred, he was struggling a little bit and was not a fan of doing the online learning and rather be in person. So discussing with family and of course he has family down there in Utah, his folks decided let's make the move down to Utah so you can get in person learning but also have a chance to compete. Again, this is sad news for a lot of Washington people, and we're upset that Braden is leaving because he's an outstanding athlete, but on the flip side, he's getting an opportunity to compete in his senior year down in Utah, which is also another great running community, especially American Fork High School, which has been known to be a dominant powerhouse the last decade, winning multiple cross-country state championships. Alex, when you first saw this news, what was your initial thought?
2: Yeah, you know he's he's a a great athlete that Washington has been lucky to have, but I think it's kind of a a more you know telling aspect of this greater thing that's happening in Washington. I I don't think he will be the last athlete to do this. I think we'll see students that maybe leave public schools for a better education because it's just the cards that were dealt right now. So um, you know, although us as as running nerds. Are, are immediately going to the running aspect. I think that there's there's much greater things that, that are going on, and it's just going to be a, a good move for him and his future as a young, talented, smart individual.
1: Last spring, he was third at the 4A state track meet in the 800, running 154. At the district meet in the 1600, he ran a personal best time of 417, even though he got second place, didn't advance on to the state meet, or if he did, he just didn't compete at the state meet. Kyle, when you see someone like that who's that elite in our state moving on, um, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, first of all, I mean, what a great opportunity for him going to American Fork. I mean, they won Nike Cross Nationals as a team, I believe, back in 2016. And they were led by an individual title, um, individual winner, Casey Klinger, who is now a big um, Big factor in the BYU cross country team that recently won their NCAA title. So, just a great opportunity for him to improve with world class, national class coaching as he looks to launch himself from a dominant senior season to a fantastic collegiate season. So, he's going to make some big waves in Utah. You know, super excited to see what he does and hope he represents Washington well.
1: We'll definitely miss Brayden and his competitiveness and the speed he brings to the track. Um, but just a little bit about American Fork, what the school he's going to. Um, they've won a total of eight state championships and finished runner as runner ups five times under Coach Timo Mostert. In the spring of 2017, their boys four by sixteen or meter relay team set a national record and had three runners running between 402 and 406. You'd love to have that on any of your teams and. We, I think we get list at least four guys to break 410, but that's an amazing accomplishment right there. And another fun fact, their mascot is the Caveman. I don't know if that's relevant or not, but that's their mascot, and it's one of the more unique mascots I've ever heard in the entire country.
2: That's, that's awesome. Almost as good that. as the Papermakers.
1: The Papermakers <laughs> is a pretty good one, I, I will admit that. But yes, again, Brandon, we'll miss you. Best of luck down in Utah with school, and as well as competing. In other news, a couple of young ladies from Inglemore High School by the name of Ava and Julia, these last couple of days, and I don't know if you guys have heard of the 24 miles in 24 hours challenge. Typically, it's mostly meant to run 24 miles in 24 hours. On the at least running a one mile on the hour, but instead of running 24 miles, these two ladies, this was combined too. They ran, walked, and biked a total of 24 miles in 24 hours. And the reason they did that was to help raise money to support the Black Lives Matter movement and the fight against racial injustice. And specifically, the two organizations they will be donating to is the National Association of the Advancement of Colored People or the NAACP, and the other one is the Equal Justice Initiative, EJI. Currently, right now, they have raised $4,200 out of the $10,000 they're hoping to get. Just looking at what athletes are doing outside of the sport and raising awareness for a cause that's such a big deal right now. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, two athletes who are white helping out a cause for Black Lives
0: Matter? And I'm all for runners raising awareness or, you know, people in general. Just if you have a cause and you're convicted by it, you know, follow your convictions and raise awareness for what you believe in. Um, whether it's, you know, I mean, that's a, a very hot topic issue right now. So I'm, you know, proud to see runners in our state raising awareness and uh, doing the best they can to see what they see is best. I'm all about that. Alex?
2: Yeah, I think there's, there's two real takeaways from this story. And the first being that you got to do right now, whatever you can to stay motivated. And I think being a great runner um, or even an above average runner is trying to find something greater than yourself and working towards a lot of time that's team. And right now we don't have that competitive team aspect. So I think that this is a great way to find motivation for one. Um, And it also is just a reminder of, you know, what a powerful tool this this sport can be. I'm thinking back to Yelm last year, and we had teachers run one mile collectively for every senior, um, just to say, "Hey, we're thinking about you." And the reality is, most people don't run. Most people don't enjoy running, so it really shows that, hey, if we're going to go do this, we're doing something um, out of the ordinary to to bring attention to something. So it's a it's a really powerful tool that we have in this sport.
1: And I think mentally moving forward into the cross country i think this is going to mentally make these two young ladies very strong coming into the cross country season i know in particular julia missed out on the cross country season last year was in a boot all season long and this is going to be her first opportunity to compete with the varsity team and potentially get a postseason spot so props to ava and julia for doing an amazing job also for raising a a, an important awareness right now with black lives matter movement of course fighting against racial injustice Moving on to our big topic of today, we got the 1B, 2B boys and girls preview. It is the final preview of our five-part preview series. We're going to start off with the boys' side. An era has come to an end, I, I believe, although maybe it hasn't. Uh, Northwest Christian of Lacey has probably been the most dominant boys' team as of lately in the 1B, 2B level. But I think it's time for a new team on the rise, and they finished second the last two seasons, and that's Pope John Paul II. We'll talk about them a little bit and potentially what could be the next dynasty created at the 1B2B level. And Iwako's Daniel Quintana. Everybody's going to be have, having their eyes on him and chasing him down for that individual cross title. Being it was his first season running in cross country, that was kind of a shock that he won the state cross country title. But that shows you right there what kind of attitude and dedication this young man has put into the sport of running. Along with Daniel Quintana, some of the individuals to watch for, Pope John Paul II, Kobe Doucher, easily the best middle distance runner in the entire state. He was the 2019 800 and 1600 meter state champion, ran two minutes and I believe 424 at the state meet. Riverside Christians Isaac Mel has been running since eighth grade at the high school level because you can do that down at the B level. You can run in, in middle school and compete with the high schoolers. Toledo's Nicholas Marty has been around for a while; it seems like forever. Trout Lake's Justin Peck. Now, Justin Peck did not compete his sophomore year at the state meet. He did qualify for the state meet, but did not, like I said, did not compete. His junior season goes on and finishes up as the runner-up behind Daniel Quintana by only four seconds. Kettle Falls' Easton Pomeranke, another consistent runner. And then last but not least, Kalama Addison Smee, who I think is ready for another bounce back year. It was a rough year for him. Would have not. He would have liked to run probably faster times, but I don't know exactly what kept him back. Maybe his injuries, maybe health, who knows. But he's someone that I think is going to have a big bounce back season. So just looking at these seven individuals, and I know we don't necessarily know a whole ton about the B schools in general, but looking across the board, what can we see from these seven individuals.
2: If I'm looking at the individuals, I think the story here is that it's stacked with upperclassmen. Um, This is a whole field of juniors and seniors with maybe one or two exceptions. Um, So you know, usually we like to see some of those upsets that happen from younger guys that we haven't heard so much about. So I'm looking at Ben Graham from Northwest Christian to kind of throw into your mix. Uh, He was a freshman last year. He's a top 10 uh, returner on paper. Um, and one of the few young guys in that top 20 group. So I, I always like to look for the upsets and the dark courses. So I'm keeping an eye on Ben Graham from Northwest Christian.
0: Yeah, a lot of, a lot of great runners. Um, one guy that I think really look out for, I mean, like you mentioned, Daniel Quintana, first year running, runs a 1544 at state. Wouldn't anyone like that on their team? Uh, just out of the blue um A lot of things we can expect from him, and then there's also the holy a blank here. Does that runner that finished eleventh this year, where he was fourth the year before?
1: Addison Schmee.
0: Addison Schmee. Yeah, you just mentioned him. Sorry. Yeah, you know he could be a huge dark horse to really compete with him. I believe Addison Schmie. um just due to the fact that you know he had a great great season 2018. He kind of fell off a bit this year for whatever reason. So. I think he could really, if he has another great summer winter and spring, uh, he could contend with him. Uh, a lot of you know uncertainties going into this next year, who can have the best winter, I think, is really what's going to come into it. Who would say mo- motivated to run fast and cross during a, the cold season? We're looking forward to see that.
1: Of course, right now, I'm going to go with Daniel Quintana early on, but I really like seeing Justin Peck do what he did. From his sophomore junior year, not running at the state meet, and then going into his junior year, finishing as the runner-up and running a personal best time on the state course and only finishing four seconds behind Daniel. And that was a pretty good race between a bunch of B schools. I mean, you had Noah Phillips from Northwest Christian, also Garrett McSheffrey, Cameron Nielsen from Northwest Christian, Daniel quintano of waco and of course Mustangs, Justin Peck. That was a very good race. I think Justin is someone that could potentially win it this year. And if, if I had to, if Daniel was not in the mix, I would go with Justin. But right now I have Daniel winning it because he's the returning defending state champion. But I'm also wondering, can Daniel h- handle the pressure of winning it as a sophomore in his first season of running cross country? Alex, talk about that a little bit.
2: Well, I just love these stories of these athletes that you might not have heard of before coming out of, these off seasons of, you know, what we can assume are great seasons of training and then um being able to all of a sudden make a name for yourself. I just think that's the coolest thing. We saw it with Isaac a little bit. Um correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, wasn't Isaac like was he I mean he was in the top twenty as a freshman, right?
0: Yeah, I believe he just I think he was like twenty fourth, twenty second as a freshman.
2: Okay. So I mean still a, a decent runner, but I, I think we can argue that most of us didn't know who he was. And then sophomore or the end of the freshman year comes around in track and he starts to make a name for himself, even though he doesn't qualify for state and you guys super hard conference. No. But I, I would love to, in this podcast sometime dive into that a little bit more and talk to these types of athletes who have these great, you know, off seasons and come back just much, much better athletes. I think it's a cool story. And I, I like to follow those, those kind of athletes sorry if I didn't answer your question Keenan but that's that's what's on my mind right now I think it's just a really cool thing
1: no I totally get it I mean to see athletes who you don't know what to expect out of them especially someone like Daniel Quintana or Justin Peck from Trout Lake we don't know what to expect they could have done something incredible in their off-season training that boosted their momentum going into cross-country and all of a sudden now they're two of the best runners in the entire state again this is gonna be a fun this is gonna be a fun group to watch oh go ahead Kyle
0: Oh, sorry. I was, I was going to say, I hope Isaac doesn't listen to this. He he was 14th. It was his teammate Cameron who was 21st. That's who I was. I was thinking. So
1: I thought he was top 20. I hope he doesn't.
0: I hope he doesn't listen to this.
1: Well, anyways, regardless of that, this this level of co- competition does not get enough credit. I think they deserve. And this is going to be a fun group to watch this season, and hopefully, going to be pretty competitive when it comes down
0: to May in the cross country. Oh yeah, I think the battle for that top 10 spot is going to be super fun to watch in that from the 7th to 10. I mean, they're all within, for their return times at state, within five seconds of each other. So it could be a real battle if, for that, uh, that top 10 spot. That'll be really exciting. You know, it should really factor into the team score.
1: Now, speaking of the teams, going into the top four teams, we already mentioned Pope John Paul II. Two years of building into one of the best programs in the 1B, 2B ranks. I think Pope John Paul is ready to get over that hump and win their first ever state championship, and it would be their, I believe, their second sports team title in school history. Their girls team won the cross title last year. Um, we already talked about Kobe Duchar and how he's uh, presented as the best middle distance runner at the 1B, 2B level. We can't count out Maddox Marsh and Trevor Dugo, who returned with top 16 times from a year ago, and are definite podium finishers. Another individual I think could have a good season in his sophomore year is Lou Christensen. The Eagles are a well-balanced team, with all seven runners returning under 18 minutes, which you do not see that very often at a 1B, 2B level school. This This is a very good team, and I think has the best shot to win a state team title. And Coach Larry Weber, who has worked with Northwest Christian when they were very good back in the early 2010s, and has coached U.S. Olympic marathon runners at some point of his life, he knows what he's talking about, and he knows what he's bringing to the table. Next team, Asotan. Asotan's always been a team that's at the state meet, has performed well, um, but I think they're a team that someone, they could give Pope John Paul II some good competition. There were no podium finishers last year for the Panthers, but their returning five-man spread is 56 seconds, led by Ryan, Ryan Denham and Hobbs II. I hope I pronounced that correctly, as they both ran 5K personal best marks of 1703 and 1707. Ian Egadol. Again, I hope I pronounced that correctly, is the Panthers' second fastest runner at 17.04. Didn't run that time at the state meet, but with those three combined in their personal best, that makes probably a solid trio right there, maybe the best in 1B, 2B. Next team, Trout Lake. Justin Peck, talked about him already. He's way ahead of his teammates right now, but again, if you're way ahead of your teammates, that's going to motivate your team to get faster, get stronger. I see someone like Mason Stock, Shane Pearson, and Gabe Harp can be runners that can help push Trout Lake into the direction they want to be, which is a top four finish. My only concern is that five-man spread. It's two minutes and 41 seconds. If we could see a change in the fifth runner each week, as the bottom three returners on varsity are within five seconds of each other, this Mustangs team could produce some pretty fast runners. And build some competition between all seven of them. Lastly, Liberty Bell, they're going to they're gonna be considered a veteran group with three seniors returning, but the talent Liberty Bell is going to rely on are their up, up-and-coming sophomores in Isaiah Stukoff, Jackson, and Tristan Schmeckel. Again, I apologize if I can't pronounce those names correctly. Top returning runner Travis Guralu is someone who we don't know a whole ton about, but running a personal best 5k time of 1703 he's someone that could run easily in the 1640s 1650s next fall when you look at those top four teams of course Pope John Paul stands out the most but which team of those four do you think is going to give Pope John Paul the most fits
0: oh I think I mean they're going to be untouched I mean they returned so many great runners from last year's team I don't think they're any it's safe to say like you could put your money on them it's going to be a safe bet um I think one team that's going to mix it up on the podium there, you didn't mention uh, Brewster, returns a lot of great runners from that state meet. Um, I don't think they return anyone who looks like they'll get too close to the podium, but uh, they return a majority of the runners, including two freshmen who, you know, that experience you get freshman year at the state course is invaluable. That it could really finish h- higher up than they're expected to on paper. So I think they're a team that mix up on the podium, but, you know, there's no way anyone's going to be able to touch that Pope John Paul school.
1: And Alex, you're down in the Lacey area. You guys are, and this is a fairly new school, but you've become probably familiar with what this program has done the last couple of years.
2: Yeah. You know, that one of the reasons I'm really enjoying doing this podcast is because it's making me well, you know, more well-rounded when it comes to all levels of schools. And Pope John Paul is Um, literally blocks away from my house and I didn't know that they were such a dominant school in the state coming into this year so that's that's really cool to see Northwest Christian I've known a little bit more about but both these schools are going to be pretty good when I'm looking at the teams um, you know obviously with Pope John Paul Um, They got a guy who can win state and they have the fastest fifth man in the state coming back on paper So right there you say okay, I've got the best team in the state Just got to hold to it. If you do everything that's in your control, you should be able to win state I'm saying if there's a team to upset them. It's Trout Lake Um, You work on that fifth man. They really need their fifth man to step up this year Um, But they have the strongest top four in the in the B school state Um, So they should have some confidence with that I also like Kyle put Brewster on my list based on the state meet last year. Um, their their state meet performance was up there, and in a hypothetical meet, puts them at third place for this year. So I've got my eyes on Brewster, and with the Sotans' type tight, tight spread, um, they've got the closest um, spread. Even though it's not the best spread, it's a pack of five guys that can run re- run right next to each other. If they all step up, that could be lethal in the state as well. So there's some cool things happening with the b schools and i i, I wouldn't say uh, pope john paul you know has it in the bag i think some other schools are definitely gonna give them a good run
1: but right now i think they're clearly ahead of a lot of other teams as far as experience
2: and talent on, on paper, paper for sure on paper for sure they definitely are
1: moving forward to the girls side for those that Started to pay attention to the B schools a little bit last year. You might recognize a certain individual who not only is the best at the 1B, 2B level, she's probably the, one of the better, best runners in the entire state, and that's Life Christian Academy's Gabby Martin, who I believe ran a personal best time of 1753, correct me if I'm wrong, at the state meet and won by almost two minutes, two minutes over the next fastest runner at the 1B2B meet, which was by far the biggest gap between any runner at the state meet last fall. And a fun fact, she hails from the great continent and country of Australia. In okay, so anybody didn't know that, that's where she's from. Uh, another individual, individuals to watch Tranky, out for mate. Not trying to offend anybody here, Kyle. <laughs> a couple of other individuals to watch out for. Maya Edwards of Kettle Falls, Claire Condrat of Pope John Paul II, big key reason as to how Pope John Paul won their first ever state title in school history last year. Susie Johnson of Cedar Tree Classical Christian, that's a long name. Rainier Selena Naimi, Naimi, yes. Emily Montgomery of Kettle Falls, along with Maya Edwards, that's a very, very good duo that Kettle Falls has. And rounding up the top seven is Liberty Bells, Jory, Grealou, Of course, everyone's going to be focusing on Gabby Martin and what she can do, because right now, in my opinion, I think she's the greatest 1B2B runner of all time. Even though she's only won one state championship on paper and what she's done in the last two years, she's the best runner of all time in the 1B2B level.
2: Yeah, how cool is that? I mean, this is a, a girl from a very small school that could run with any girl in the state on any level. I mean, I think she's right there in the mix. Um... But with that said, the, the rest of the girls, this is kind of the flip-flop of the boys B schools, whereas the boys were really stacked with upperclassmen. This is a lot of a lot of young ladies that are running um this year. Nine of the top ten returners this year will return next year too. So I'm hoping that we start to see some, some battles that happen and um uh some some really good competition that will also take place next year, hopefully a non COVID year. Um, but yeah, since there's also some pretty big gaps, um, between the girls, the top of the girls. So if I'm a young, talented athlete that maybe hasn't quite made a name for myself yet, I'm seeing that as a huge opening because there's, there's about a, was like a 97 second or 97, 90 second spread between the, the top 10, not, not even including Gabby. So it's, it's pretty open right now.
1: And just to correct myself, Gabby Martin's personal best time is 1732, which ranks her, I believe, third best in the entire state of Washington. But when you look at everybody else except Gabby, looking down from the podium placers for like second, third, fourth, who do you think's got the best shot to finish as the runner up or potentially even the top five? Because you got Susie Johnson of Cedar Tree Classical, you have Selena Niami of Rainier, you have Claire Condred of Pope John Paul, and Maya Edwards of Kettle Falls.
0: I've got on my list here Maya Edwards you know she really um, found uh, a new gear at the end of the season really improving her times um, I wouldn't say coming out of nowhere but her last like I believe three races were just absolutely incredible like uh, I think got her to where she was finishing this the fourth overall second returner so you know I I think between her and Susie, it'll be close, but I'm going to give it to Maya Edwards from Kettle Falls, uh, just due to how well she closed out her season. If we're talking about how well you're doing at state, well, how did you do the year before, I think, is a a good marker. It's a little different course than what you run. So you could run, you know, really fast at a flat course, but, you know, the state course is going to eat you up a little bit. And 1950 is not even her personal best. You ran 1927
1: as a freshman. So we know the talent is there. It was just a, a sophomore slump season for My Edwards this year.
2: Yeah, I I would even add that um, yeah, Susie from Cedar Tree uh, with a team that you know is looking to be a podium team, she's going to have a lot of extra motivation to make sure that she's taking you know a, a top top three top two spot because um, when we get into the team team conversation. I'm sure Cedar Cedar Tree will come up a little bit and and she knows that. So she's gonna be working hard for her team to make sure and bring home a trophy.
1: The big question though with the teams is of course Pope John Paul returning as the defending state champions. They defeated a Liberty Bell team who the last three seasons up until Pope John Paul won. They won three consecutive state titles. Of course led by Novi McCabe, who had she would ran this last fall, probably maybe might have won her fourth state championship and became the the first ever runner in the state of Washington, I believe, to if Liberty Bell had won the team title, become an individual champion four times, but also be part of four state team titles as well. No one in the the entire state of Washington has ever done that. But between those two teams right there, I know Liberty Bell is going to be fired up and ready to get back in the state meet and get revenge on Pope John Paul II. But right now, Pope John Paul II, like their guys team, has a lot of depth very talented again coach weber does an amazing job with that group i'm going with pope john paul as of right now but when you look at the bottom of the list you got northwest christian lacy and cedar tree classical christian that's going to be a battle right there but i definitely would not count out saint george's either coach rick riley does an am- phenomenal job with the dragons and gets them prepared i was also a legendary hall of fame runner and coach so you can't complain about that
2: yeah with I'll, I'll get back into the cedar tree conversation since that's what I was just talking about, um, but they've got a really strong one two punch which makes them hard to beat even with a fifth runner that isn't as strong as the as some of these other schools um so again, if the fifth runner steps up, they're a team that's that's hard to beat. If not, I think St George's probably gets them for a podium spot um But because of that one-two spot or one-two punch, I put Cedar Tree in there. Definitely Pope John Paul, like you said, comparable to the boys' team. They've got a strong front runner. They have uh, the strongest fifth runner in the state. That's a recipe for winning Liberty Bell, Northwest Christian in there based on tradition and the talent that they have. Um, Liberty Bell having a good pack that needs to work together
0: to make something pretty cool happen this year. Yeah, I've definitely got, you know, uh, Pope John Paul Liberty Bell kind of duking it out for the top podium spot. Cedar Tree not too far off, just based off how well they did at the state meet last year with two great front runners. And I, I think Saint George is definitely one of my top picks for finishing up on the podium. I think they could be a lot, bu- a lot better with uh, their fifth runner stepping up. But they have lots of freshmen on their team from last year. That again, that experience on the course is just invaluable that you and if you can get it on your freshman year, that's fantastic. I think Northwest Christian is just a little bit too far off of them just based off of the state performances from year before.
1: Just looking across the board, it's again it's gonna be another tight battle on both sides, the boys and girls with teams. And of course the well, not the individuals for the girls side because Gabby Martin is just so far ahead of everybody else right now. And that's no diss to any of the girls that are running cross country at the B levels. Gabby's just on a whole nother talent level. Thoughts, final thoughts on today going over, of course, Braden Packer moving on, and then the, the two young ladies um, running and biking and walking for a great cause. Kyle, your final thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, you know, it's going to be a fun season with it being in the spring. Just keep working hard. Um, I'm looking back, Gabby's freshman year, she lost, was second place, lost to almost by a minute to a, a junior. And then that junior just uh, didn't run her senior year. So just keep training hard, keep training smart. You never know what's going to happen in your life. So take advantage of every day. Run every day.
1: Well, I'll ask Alex this final thought. What are your final thoughts on West Valley's Braden Packard moving on to Utah? And then, of course, the two young ladies fighting for social cause because Kyle decided to answer his final thoughts on the 1B2B preview instead.
2: it's the it's the covid story you know it's it's all these things that are unraveling um two different parts of the story you know you've got kids searching for some sort of normalcy and making sure that they can better their futures um and then you've got a group of girls that are working to motivate themselves and benefit the futures of um other people so there there's a lot of a lot of advantages or or cool things that can come out of this time we're in and and I think it's good that you bring those to attention on this podcast because they're, they're still happening. We're still staying motivated. The, the sport and the individuals who participate in it are still um, very much having an impact on the world and their own lives. So it's good to talk about.
1: And we got a good solid seven months to wait now until the cross country season rolls around here in the state of Washington. My thanks to Kyle Paulson and Alex McIntyre for always joining me on here. Appreciate you guys doing this podcast for me. Next episode of the rundown. It won't be about anything about previews or anything. We're actually going to have two guests on. We got Hannah Wascom and Joe Wascom, Mount Si alums who currently now run for the university of Washington. And we'll talk with them a little bit about what the PAC 12 decision made about not having fall sports and what that impact's going to be have on them, but also look back on their amazing high school careers, but specifically with Joe being one of the best 3,200 meter runners of all time in the entire state of Washington. So, Once again, for Kyle Paulson, Alex McIntyre, Keenan Gray, myself, thanks for tuning in to The The Rundown presented by The Runner Washington. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Hope for you guys to tune in to our next episode,
2: which will be back on Monday for our regular schedule.